0: Previously on the Tony Kornhauser Show.
1: I think the best part of it is that Walter Johnson went to Fullerton Union, yeah. which allows Tim Kirkjian to say, did you know I went to Walter Johnson <laughs> High School? Yeah,
2: that's true. It's true. Walter Johnson High School, or as Shirley referred to him, trained. Shirley would say, we would ask Shirley a question about walter johnson he says i was talking to train and train said this fella kid is pretty fast That was just great train
0: this is general george washington and you're listening to the tony kornheiser show
2: so i assume that you want an update on my leg my leg's bad Mm. it's not any better it's still swollen it's still hot it's still discolored i'm taking antibiotics and I'm using a cream on my leg. And I don't know if it's working. Maybe it'll work. If it doesn't work, we'll have to do something different. I also am wearing a compression sock to try and keep it from exploding. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. So I, it doesn't hurt. Uh, just so everybody d- d- doesn't have to worry. It doesn't hurt. Like uh, You're know, you know, you know, limping around, right? No, I'm not limping around. It doesn't hurt when I walk. So as a result, I decided to play golf yesterday. But that was probably stupid. In (laughs) hindsight, that was probably stupid. All right. Um, Because I was not able to concentrate on playing golf at all. I I really wasn't. You know, I I just came home last night and, and my thoughts were, what did you do on your summer vacation? Well, you know, your leg blew up. And you can't play golf. I probably shot if I kept score over a hundred. I was not emotionally involved in playing golf yesterday. And I was really terrible. But let me tell you why I loved playing golf yesterday. Because yesterday, not only did I get to play with my son, who I always enjoy just watching him hit the ball, even if it goes as it did yesterday, a couple of times out of bounds, like off the course, I mean, hit it through a fence at one point, you know, and that's fine. You know, because the next hole is just as likely to get it on the green and make a birdie. But I got to play golf yesterday with two dear friends. And they are Gary Braun and Greg Garcia. Greg was in town. He's back home now in California. He was in town and he's taken up golf. And by the way, Greg hits it Greg's got a three wood or a four wood and he hits a 220 yards off the deck. Wow. I mean, Greg got progressively better as the round went on. Gary's big and strong. Gary hits it a long way. I mean, I, I could never, even when I was their age, I couldn't hit it as far as either of them hit it, but it was such a joy for me to be out there with them. Uh, that even though I was terrible, I didn't, I didn't really care. That was the joyful part. We went to Columbia. Um, We got in carts and we had a caddy with us and we played 18 holes and it was great. And what it reminds me of, and and I will talk about this briefly, is everybody has a career. You know, everybody wanders into something at some point in their lives and stays with it. And that becomes your career, whatever that is. Radio, and now podcasts are not my career. No, 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 no. My career was newspaper sports writer. I know I don't do it anymore. I know I'm on these podcasts. I know I'm on television. This is not my career. Not my career. And I started doing radio. I'm pretty sure it was Memorial Day weekend of 1992. I'm pretty sure that's when WTEM opened. And I had been hired... To do a, it th- started out as a four hour show, and I said I wasn't going to do a four hour show. So they made it a three hour show because I had this other job. I was working for the Washington Post, which meant much more to me than being on radio did. This was when sports radio was just in its nascent stage in every big city in America, starting with The Fan in New York City and WIP. Yeah. In, in Philadelphia, and what was the one in Boston? WEI EEI in Boston. Eddie Andelman. That's Boston. Right. Eddie Adelman, I get, right. You know, in Washington was the fifth or sixth or eighth or tenth one that uh, that had sports radio. And it's possible that we had some tryout shows, but I don't even remember that. I remember sort of walking in, and who did I know? Well, I knew Andy Poland. Um I had run into Andy at a U.S. Open at one point in Shinnecock. I mean, I knew who Andy was. I knew that Andy was on radio. I I knew the name. I had respect for Andy Poland and the other people who were going to be on the show. And Andy was going to be in the sidekick role, you know, which is a very important role for me because I'm walking into something. I don't know how to do it. Now, it turns out, And it turns out this way for everybody. You're either good right away or you're not. (laughs) It turned out I was good right away. Okay, that's that's luck. That's fortune. I didn't study it or anything like that. I didn't particularly want it. But Andy was going to be very, very important in the role. And there were going to be other people on the show. There were five people essentially on the show, if I remember correctly. Gary Braun was one of them. Gary had just recently graduated, I believe, from Drew University. That's right. In New Jersey. And Gary had something to do with the show. I don't even know what Gary did. Probably a producer at that point? I don't know. No. I mean, the main producer was Mitch Levy.
3: Oh, that's right. Mitch Levy, who
2: went out to Seattle (laughs) afterwards and became Mitch in the morning and made a pile of dough. He was a graduate of Syracuse University. Mitch was probably about 22 or 23 years old in 1992 probably about that. Gary was maybe a year younger and everybody knows the Greg Garcia story where Greg has just graduated from Frostburg state university, which may or may not be accredited. I don't know. I mean, I've heard of it, but it may or may not actually be an accredited four year university. It's in Western Maryland. It's so far from the rest of Maryland that it may as well be in West Virginia or Ohio, right? It's way out. Yes. It's way out. Greg is the most famous graduate ever of Frostburg State University, if, in fact, he graduated, which is 50-50. We don't know <laughs> if that's true. And Greg uh, came in, and maybe we had done a practice show. I don't know. I, really, I actually don't remember. And Greg came in and uh, applied for the job of board up. Now, I don't know what a board op is. I've never been in a radio station in my life, so I don't know what that job is. Greg applies to Andy because Andy is is in charge of casting the show. It's going to be, again, this three-hour show, 10 to 1, five days a week. I'm going to use the money that I make from it to send my kids to school. That's the only reason I'm doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it to be big in the field because, again, I don't care. (laughs) Now, I'm much different now. (laughs) But at that moment, I had my dream job. Yeah, you're not going to go And this was to supplement my dream job. So Greg, as everybody knows, says he ran the board, says to the guy running the station, some little guy. I don't remember. It was before Bennett Zier. It was some other guy. And he says, yeah, I ran the board at Frostburg for four years. So they said, sure, great. We'll hire him. And then he says to Andy, I've never been in a radio station in my life. Can you just tell me how to do the board? (laughs) So We were, I mean, without Andy, we are the blind leading the blind. I don't know how to do this. Gary doesn't know how to do this. Mitch has some idea how to do this because he did it at Syracuse. But he doesn't really know how to do this. He's a kid. And Greg has no idea how to do it. None. Zero. And it was a great joy and delight for me to work with them all the time. I, I mean, it really was. They all turned out to be very funny. Well, they're all funny. They're all, it's, it's such a, it's just, it was a pleasure then. It's a pleasure now. In fact, when I, when I found out that Greg and Gary were going to play golf with me and with Michael, I called Mitch Levy in Seattle. I called him. I said, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do, you know. And he, he I hadn't talked to him in years, and he was very thrilled about that. And I did at pretty much on the first tee say to Gary um, and to Greg, "Who do you think? Who do you think I would have called about this? Who do you think?" And Gary just sort of looked at me, and Greg went, "Mitch." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, yeah." I called Mitch about this, so I was terrible, um, and my leg hurt. Uh, And I just shouldn't have played, and I'm not going to play today or tomorrow either, I'm sure. But it was um, a great joy and delight. And, you you know, it's not like you're going around 18 holes and you're talking about projects that you're involved. It's not that. No. You're just playing golf and making fun of each other. Yes. And they stopped making fun of me because I was so bad. (laughs) It just felt So (laughs) bad. Just like, why are we, you know, why is he even here? They probably felt it would be better if I just left went to the shack and ate lunch <laughs> and let them play by themselves because i was that bad but it was a great um a great delight for me uh and i figured if you like this show that you would just like to know a little bit about it greg birdied a couple of holes how about that greg birdied greg birdied um number 12 which is a par 5 i you know that's wonderful that's fantastic yeah. sure gary didn't birdie anything i didn't I don't think I was in single figures in most <laughs> holes. And I just stopped after a while. Yeah. I just looked at everybody. I said, I stay. But the score, you know, is not important at all, right? Not even, no, not, not even a little. Yeah, I mean, that, not that foursome is just legendary. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Greg plays a lot of golf now. Does he? That's what Greg does. I don't think Gary does. I know Gary doesn't play a lot of golf. Well, Gary's, Gary's kids are in college. That's right. I think he Gary's just three dropped. kids. Yeah. The, the two boys are in college and his daughter's, You know, a senior in college. Yeah. They just went up there to, you know, drop the kids off. Gary and Kim did that. And Gary's not playing a lot. But Greg plays golf. He belongs to a couple of places. He's thinking of joining. But Greg. Well, there's a right strike. He's got plenty of time right now. Every single thing that Greg Garcia does for a living is on strike. (laughs) Right. You know, write, produce, direct, cast. You know, all of it. it. Yeah. He's got nothing to do but play golf. And he's getting good at it. Good for him. So it made me happy. That all made me happy. Anyway. I thought I would say that. We'll have a regular show. In fact, we will come back with Jason Lockenfora. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
1: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: This is Money for Guns. It's our friend Will Salisbury. the front man on the St. Louis band writes, the time has finally arrived. We have painted our masterpiece, our magnum opus, our bald as I want to be. Our new record, All the Darkness That's in Your Head, is available as of August 19th. That's the end of the week. Yes, yes. On digital and vinyl. Two tracks I've enclosed herein are the Kyle Kelly Penn instant classic, All the Catholic Girls Love Paul Simon. This is such a great title. (laughs) All the Catholic Girls Love Paul Simon. It's nothing short of pure, unadulterated genius. I also think Kyle... Mr. Tony and Paul Simon are the only three people alive who would get every reference from Simon's catalog in this <laughs> tune. We'll have another song later, but it's not going to have as good a title as all the Catholic girls love. It's pretty good. Paul Simon. Plays in Jason Lock and Fora. Jason lives in Baltimore. I mean, everybody knows him from football, but he does a radio show every day in Baltimore and lives in Baltimore. And the big story in Baltimore over the last week and a half to two weeks, has been what happened to their play-by-play guy, Kevin Brown. I hesitate to use the word suspension because I don't even know yeah. if that's appropriate. Uh, something happened. I don't know if you know, but I'm quite sure that if you opened up phone lines to your radio show, people mm-hmm. would want to talk about Kevin Brown. Let's start with how do you think he's handled this? Because I think he's handled it perfectly.
3: Uh, he's, look, he, he's um, an amazing uh, broadcaster. He is, for his, especially. You know, and I even hesitate to say this for his, for his young kid. as he is, but it kid. is it is a fact. Um, so when you sort of extrapolate what what I've seen of him, not not even just here, you know, locally, but. Doing the ESPN College Softball World Series, doing ESPN Statcast uh, broadcast of the Home Run Derby, doing nas- other national broadcasts, whether you know it's college football, college basketball, and then you know the Orioles, where he's by by no means their only broadcaster. Uh, they they've got you know a, a group of people who pitch in but he's the primary television guy on Mass, and he's uh witty uh, he's super whip smart uh, he he cares he's diligent he's prepared um, he's he's great he's a joy to watch I mean last night was uh and, and so is Jim Palmer and so is you know Ben McDonald I think they've, they've got some some great broadcasters here and last night's game was ugly and kevin made it and and ben made it not as ugly if he did sit through that entire thing um they found ways to still have some fun and and keep you engaged so no i'm a huge fan i don't know exactly what happened here tony there's a lot of things that don't add up for me yeah um a lot of things just feel incongruous and don't make sense and i don't know that you know i, I I don't know that we know the whole story, you know what I mean? I'm not imp- I'm not going to say that what's been reported is completely wrong, but I'm with you. I-, I don't personally know that he was suspended or feel comfortable with that language, um, but he- he's handled it as well as anybody could possibly handle it, and it does feel like uh, the tempest is subsiding, and, you know, it's kind of about this baseball team now and not whatever the heck happened there for you know, a couple of weeks with with the broadcast team. But Kevin is a gem.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm reluctant to use the word suspension. Um, everybody is saying this was done by John Angelos, the owner, the active owner of the team, and maybe it was. Uh, I don't know much about it. I know that what he said on the air was provided in the team notes, in the yeah. team notes. Yeah. So the team, you know, you you, you can't throw one guy out for something the entire team provides i mean you and i as people who worked in newspapers that's the first thing we go to these are the team notes but i will say i thought it was remarkable how many broadcasters around the country yes immediately came to kevin brown's defense right
3: yeah there's definitely um you know a solidarity there and that that community um was vociferous uh, in its response, and and you know I don't I don't blame any of them. Um, I'm not surprised in the least. Um, they don't want to experience that themselves. You know what I mean? Again, whatever exactly did happen here, and yeah, I mean to your point, I mean it's it's in the game notes, but it's also like if you've done TV, not everything is live, and there's rundowns, and there's you know graphics that are produced on paper before they're produced on chirons and that's readily available to a lot of people and you know you kind of know where things are going this isn't one person just sort of you know taking over a broadcast or, or vamping or anything like that i mean this was a lot of eyes would have understood that that you know was going to be a topic and there was going to be graphical elements that accompany yes. it, and there's production side people who are building yes. that and people who are overseeing it. So, yeah, again, it, I, I none of this necessarily. I guess you know the old sniff test. You know what I mean? And I sit back, and the more I think about this, and the more I'm like, do, do I do I feel comfortable in saying that I really feel like I know what happened here? I I, I personally don't.
2: I am in agreement with that. I do not know what happened. I am curious, and were I a reporter or a columnist in Baltimore, I would want to have an answer to this. Is Rob Manfred involved in this now? Has the uh, commissioner of baseball had a chat with the owner of the Baltimore Orioles? Because this is a bad look, right? I mean, we can agree on that. It's a bad look for the team.
3: No, I mean, this was—, this was uh... Especially at the end of that, or part of the last homestand, it, it kind of um, took on a life of its own, both locally and nationally. And no, it didn't, it didn't play well for anybody.
2: So that's how I felt. I'll ask you this, because this is the great speculation. Will Kevin Brown be doing the Orioles in 2025? I'm going <laughs> to grant that he could do it next year. but Yeah, do
3: you... I don't know. You know what I mean? Again, that's another one where I, I don't really know his contract status or where a lot of that, you know. Yeah. What it what it was, what it is, if anything's changed. I certainly hope so. Um he's someone who has really embraced Baltimore. I mean he, he you know, moved here from New York. He's got a row home in in Baltimore City. He's not living out, you know, an hour outside the city or anything like that. He's embraced the culture. He's embraced the food he's embraced the people um, he he has really become you know someone of this community e- even though you know his his roots are not here so I mean the statement I don't know you know what I mean I guess it, it, he's in an incredibly tough spot there yeah I don't know how much I read into that or don't read into that I certainly hope so I mean the I, the, the the you know I, I'll say this I didn't know a whole lot about Kevin. Brown, before he got hired here, whatever it was, three or four years ago, um, it was an inspired, inspired, inspired hire. Um, And and again, a lot of talented people on this um, Orioles broadcast crew who have made things enjoyable while they were terrible and now have, uh, you know, are having a whole lot of fun telling what's become one of the best baseball stories in baseball.
2: No, no, no question. All right. Um, we're getting near that time. We're getting near football. We are. We're getting near football. Just two things I wanted to talk about because they're sort of famous people and they play the same position and they have just moved or in the process of moving Z- uh, Zeke Elliott to the New England Patriots. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's got left, but if he's got anything left, that's a that's a big acquisition, is it not?
3: Um. I, look, I, I think given the totality of that roster, especially on offense and how limited it looks, and yeah. the lack of speed and and twitch and, and acceleration, and it seems like Bill Belichick kind of wants to run it back and and be you know uh, a nineteen a, eighties a or you know early nineties football team, then, yeah, I think he'll use up both running backs pretty significantly, and I think he'll want Bill O'Brien to run a keep it simple, stupid offense that, that's based on high percentage passes and ball control. I think they want to bleed the clock and try to beat you a little bit with their defense because, frankly, I don't think anybody's beating you on the outside with them. Nobody's going to run past anybody no one's going to do anything um, otherworldly once they get the ball in their hands. I don't see a whole lot of yak monsters on that team. I don't see a whole lot of there on that on that offense, period. So they've been sniffing around on a bunch of different running backs, and, and you know, this is the kind of guy who Belichick's always been attracted to. Um, you know, he's later in his career. We get him on the cheap. He's so happy to be, you know, a patriot and part of our culture, but... Their culture's pretty blah since, you know, number 12 stopped playing quarterback for them. So I don't have real high hopes or aspirations for that football team. This doesn't change a whole lot for me in terms of projecting their outcome um, or what I think they're going to be. But from an individual fantasy football perspective, I think he'll be given opportunities yeah. to get the ball in his hands. I don't know that it's going to be anything, um, you know, especially dynamic or prolific when that happens. I, I, I But, yeah, I mean, it's – it, it's, it's fine. I, I just think you need, you know, you need supreme athletes in their prime to compete in this league, especially in that conference right now. Guys who win for you in the passing game in a lot of different ways, and they don't have those guys.
2: Yeah, I'm not suggesting for a second it makes the Patriots a good team. I'm just saying it makes them interesting if he's still got anything. I mean, he's the kind of guy who could gain 1,200 yards if he still got anything. That's, you know, because Belichick will not hesitate to give him the ball. No,
3: no. And and he's probably got a little more than people like me who've been screaming for Tony Pollard for, you know, the better part of two and a half years down there have given him credit for. Um, I just don't know that it's all going to manifest itself here. Um, And it's just such an attrition position. And he, boy, he is, um, he's carried a pretty heavy load.
2: He has. uh, Dalvin Cook. uh uh, going to the jets going to play with aaron Rodgers. i love the fact that wilbon wants the jets to lose every single game i mean i love that but i don't think they're going to lose every single game i think it's possible that aaron Rodgers has a great year what do you
3: think uh sure it's possible um i don't think i would bet on it um I have I have reservations about the sort of the whole sort of way this was constructed and how this went from a clearly rebuilding team to now one that people are just proclaiming Super Bowl or bust. Sort of I won't say overnight, but in the span of a few short months, and I I don't know. It's got Woody Johnson's fingerprints all over it. Is that is that man, what those are, the are not good prints. Works, you know yeah, what I mean? Like what, what has he ever touched in the football realm? That hasn't been a disaster. I didn't like Aaron Rodgers' play last year. Um, I, I don't think this is going to bring out the best in him. I think the schedule is a monster early. And if this is a 1-3 a and three team or a 2-4 and four team, um, I don't think they go into that early bye week and it's all kumbaya and it's let's pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's, you know, play my guys more and why aren't we doing this and why didn't we do that? And, I mean, you know, even just watching Hard Knocks last night, like – He's calling out the offensive line. Bro, did you do your Did you do your own research on that one, genius? <laughs> like, who there did you think could play? Like, this ain't Bakhtiari in his prime anymore when you were winning MVP awards. Like, the left tackle's 55 years old and they don't have a right tackle. I mean, Makai Beckton hasn't been good in forever, hasn't been healthy in forever, hasn't been in shape in forever. And the other guy's Max Mitchell, who I guarantee you, Aaron, you don't even know who the hell he is. You probably still don't know who he is. So, and you've been practicing with him for two weeks so or three or whatever. So, I mean, I just no, I don't think they're going to lose every game. Um, it'd be great theater if they did. Uh, but I also don't think they're going to the playoffs. I, I don't think they're the best team in that division. Um, I, I don't think they have a particularly uh, great coaching staff. And I think they don't have sufficient adults in the room to provide the kind of guardrails that this diva is going to need, especially at this stage of his career when he knows if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, he's a total failure. Because Tom Brady just did it a few years ago. Like the idea that none of these late-stage guys do it. Like, no one talks about Johnny Unitas and the 74 Chargers anymore, you know, keeping Dan Fouts off the field or whatever. They're talking about what Brady did in a COVID year just two years ago. Yeah. So good luck with that, Holmes.
2: It's good to know that you have no... Small opinions on these (laughs) things. Plug your radio show for us. You
3: can get plus money. Vegas will give you money on top of your money to bet that the Jets missed the playoffs. That they missed the playoffs. That they do what they always do. (laughs) You don't think I'm in on that in a bunch of different ways? Uh,
2: Plug your radio show for us. What am I on?
3: Uh, You can listen to me rant, scream, um, (laughs) and whatever. Uh, Go off the rails from 2 to 6 Eastern time. Uh, every weekday on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan, we will have full coverage from these uh super important Ravens commanders' uh, joint practices, oh, God. and we're all <laughs> oh, over, Tony. The most important, monumental, epic streak in the history of Baltimore sports. Um, Forget yeah, the Iron Man. Winning We've exhibition got the mighty men. And their drive for 25 is Just. alive. They're never going to lose a preseason game ever, as long as this guy's their head coach. It's the most, it's, it's the most iconic thing I've ever had a privilege to watch in and my it life. Has and no we, we talk bearing. about it ad nauseum. No
2: bearing it. whatsoever on the regular <laughs> yeah. season. Inside Access,
3: no 105.7, the fan of the Odyssey app. Thank you. Thank you, folks.
2: Jason Lock and Fora, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We're going to come back with Jared Freed, who is a comedian and a fan of the show and who's got a special out right 37 and single that's right and it's on what it's on netflix just dropped just dropped yesterday netflix yes i'm tony kornheiser i'm mark chapman welcome
0: to the planet premier league podcast
2: Once again, we're playing Money for Guns out of St. Louis. Will Salisbury has sent us the music. He wrote this song. It's called Smooth Long Legs and a Cigarette. <laughs> this is great. You know, great- first they give us all the Catholic girls love Paul Simon. <laughs> right. Now they give us Smooth Long Legs and a Cigarette. It's, it's just great titles, yes. Wonderful. Will Salisbury, our friend, Chuck and Roxy, number 191. Boy, Chuck and Roxy do a lot. Getting it done, yes. So... Nigel, if people want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Yeah, you can send it to jingles at com. Please make it your original work. And if you're sending in for, like, your friend or your kid brother or something like that, just make sure they email us as well. to give us their permission. Yeah. So this plays in Jared Freed, who's got a special, um, to, and, and the, it's on Netflix. As you know, Jared, from listening to the show, I have no idea <laughs> if I have Netflix or if I had it, how I would actually get it. Because I just watch sports. But is it on Netflix indeed?
1: Tony, this is uh, this is a thrill and a pleasure. You can ask, when you tell Michael it's raining today, you can ask him to put it on for you. Um, Guns for Money, I feel like I'm Abby Lowell. I have so many references I want to say. <laughs> to and Chuck and Roxy, episode 105, by the way.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Um, oh. <laughs> I, top, which is top ten.
2: Are you being arrested? Um, it sounds like you're I am. being arrested. Someone's
1: coming after me. Yeah. They're arresting me for a, for a Netflix special that's too funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's streaming now. It's on there, and it's just up there. And oh my God, the sirens are happening at the worst time of my entire life. This loyal little is is bombing. Um. So yeah, I, I it's streaming. It's up there, and I've been getting calls and emails from. Every camp friend I've ever had and it's it's wild. And my parents are don't know what to do or what to even, you know, how to even reference it.
2: Can I ask about your parents and just in this regard? Sure. When people are comedians, they use all forms of language. They you know, they say <laughs> things to people that they don't yeah. say to their mom and dad. Do your mom and dad come and watch you perform uh, or or do you say to them, please don't watch me? It's like, I've never watched an R-rated movie with my children. I just can't bring myself to do it. I, I could never do it. How does that work with your mom and dad?
1: I'm very lucky. Um, in the beginning, you know, they were like... My parents saw... My dad saw this as like a business move. Like, he was like, this is an entrepreneurial endeavor. You're starting a business. This yeah. is what you're passionate about. Go for it. But it is hard, but... I like now to do material that my parents can be involved with and enjoy. Like, I do like that. Like, I, I I, don't enjoy seeing them cringe or not being able to make eye contact with them. At the special, I actually put hidden cameras in the green room, and I tape my parents. And it's in the credits of the special. And I just was, thought it was funny because I was like... Why don't I tape them yelling at me, bickering at me, whatever. And then we'll open the show with me saying I'm 37 and single and you'll get it right away. And they said to me, they're like, well, how do we get them to say something? And I was like, they're parents of mine. No, no, no. Get them to say something. No, no, no. We're not going to have them read script. They walked in, hidden cameras in the green room. They start yelling at each other about Cats' Deli within five seconds. great. And my mom goes, This green room is a dungeon. And and then the director looks at me and he goes, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, so they're they're characters. So they're kind of characters in my show as well. So I I, I do understand what you're saying. Like, it, it is, you know, you don't want to say stuff in front of your parents. And in the beginning, that's harder than it is. In the beginning, you go for the easiest laugh, which happens to be cringe and maybe a little on the edge. And then you get better, and you start writing better, and it's a little bit easier. And and I want to talk about stuff that they can be involved in.
2: That's nice to know. I'm unfamiliar with your specific special, but most of the times when Mm. you see comedians on television, it's performance. It's one performance. I don't know that if I were making a special, I'd want just one performance. And I'm sort of wondering, you know, I might want to intercut stuff. I might want to take from other performances. I may want to do things that are not in a performance itself. How long did it take you to make this? And did you have any sort of internal conflict as to what what you wanted it to be?
1: So, Tony, you bring up a great point. I am not what they call castable. Okay? I'm not... I'm not good looking enough to be the leading man and I'm not like big and, and wild looking enough to be the, you know, the friend. So, and I look like I went to camp or I was the cousin of every agent or lawyer I've ever met. Right. Like when I go to a comedy club, the, the security asked me for my ticket cause they, cause I look like I'd be on a date there. Oh. So I had to like kind of figure out my own way, you know, Nate Bargatze, you bring up a lot, like he's red state Nate. He's a Southern guy. He's someone that you and I never went to camp with. And then there's like Adam Ferrara, you know, like he, he, Jersey guy, you know, the, those are things that like, Oh, I, I know where I put him. So for me, they, I went and poured this uh, special on the road for about a year. And then you do one night where you do two shows and you take the best from two shows and put it in the, the special. And you kind of put them in and you figure it out that way. But it, it, uh, over the course of a year, and you know this, like you got lines that are 100 percenters and you got lines that are 80 percenters. And you just try to get everything to 100 percenters so that on that night there's not a lot of surprises. I, I,
2: I completely understand that. I the, the, You're a young man. You're my son's age. You're a young man. Yeah. I understand the impulse because you're funny to become a comedian. Boy, you pick a terrible time to actually go into the comedy business, <laughs> as the culture around us is telling us that all the things that we thought were funny, not only aren't funny, you can't even say them anymore.
1: Well, I, what I, I don't subscribe to that, tone Okay, you know, like I, I, I actually don't believe that to be the truth. I think that kind, you know, you know, when you were writing and in, in, in the paper. You know, you knew what the excuses were. To me, that's an excuse. That's a, a measure of laziness. I talk about it on the special. There's nothing that I could be canceled for.
3: Right. And also,
1: it's, it's a direct-to-consumer economy right now. You know, again, I'm not castable. So I made the special myself. I spent the money. I, I put it together. I got the camera crew. I'm the production person. I'm the producer and the performer. So I had to go and invest in myself and make the special and then bring it out to market and hopefully sell it. And I, you know, and, and everyone said no. And then Netflix said it's not a no yet. And then suddenly a month ago, they go, that's going to be a yes now. And now my great. life is different.
2: That's great. And it's
1: amazing. It's the most amazing thing in the world when it comes to like, can I say something? It's like you can say whatever you want. You just have to own it. And you just have, and and there's a little bit of grace for like working through an idea and a joke and stand up is kind of the last place to be able to work through stuff because I go on the road, when you're in a room full of people, it is a little easier to feel the room and feel their tension and then go, okay, that one didn't work, I'll never say that again, or that's an idea I need to work through and say again and again and figure out the best way to say it that gets me a laugh 100% of the time. So the, the whole like everyone's offended thing I, I think ends up being like an excuse to not write and not work through it. You know an excuse to say well i didn't you didn't work on the idea enough because all the really what they're listening to is one person who's like, "I don't want to hear you anymore, and you go, "Okay, goodbye, you don't like me. That's okay. I'll find another person to you know sell my wares to
2: It's a very important concept that if you're going to be out in the public." that not everybody's going to like you and you can't run away and say, I'm not going to do this anymore because not everybody everybody is going to like you. You sort of have to live with that defeat. But I was was sort of thinking about, like, who can work? Well, Jerry Seinfeld can work. And Jerry Seinfeld could work and can work. Andrew Dice Clay could work and now can't work. Um, right. The, the, if you ask he's me,
1: gonna right. He's, he's got to write new stuff. Yeah, he's got to do Jerry, it differently.
2: He's got to do it differently. You see him on
1: stage all the time, like he, you know, there's an older brand of comedian like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, that goes on stage like it's golf. You know, they putter around. They go on a few times a week. They love it, you know, in the way you love golf. And it, it, that that is kind of that's the coolest thing in the world to me.
2: I would tell you that. Well, I don't know that it's true in in stand-up comedy. I don't know if it's true in the things you do, but you can't make Blazing Saddles anymore. (laughs) This is like one of the funniest movies of my life, of my life. Right, right. And Mel Brooks, he wouldn't even do it. I mean, he would say, what are you, nuts? Like, I can't do this. Yeah, I mean, I think, Jared, I think you're completely correct when you say it's lazy to think that it's too hard to have success and make people laugh, I I agree with you 100%. But I do think there are a certain amount of lanes you can walk in. Now there are less lanes than before. Am I wrong on that?
1: Right. I, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong about blazing saddle. Yes. Like not- it wouldn't make sense in the atmosphere. Right. To make it today, it it's not banned. You know, it's not like you know banned by society. You could watch it. I think that's where we go a little crazy. Like, you're watching that? It's like, yeah, it's hilarious. And it was made at another time. Right. But I don't know. I, I think context and nuance is, like, key to everything. That's why this podcast, like, that's why I love listening to you and your guests. Like, you, you know, when you're on with someone, you're asking questions. You're, you're at, and, and you don't get that online. Online, you get love and hate. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, th- that's it. There's no such thing as, like, a mediocre retweet. It just doesn't happen. So with the beauty of stand-up and the beauty of podcasts, in my opinion, is like, we do get to have these conversations that also exist in 2023. And you go, oh, I believe, you know, I can hear the hems and haws in someone's voice as they go through the thought. And that's like, you know, I think there's an appreciation for that that is beloved. Like, I think that's why I love your show. Like, you know, I get to hear the, you know, even when it comes to movies. You know, and hearing a movie review, like, I want to hear why someone kind of liked it and who it's for. Not, I hated this movie. That doesn't interest me as much.
2: I understand that completely. I mean, you always, look, this is coming into your ears. You're not watching it and you have to make it interesting. You have to ask people questions beyond, did you like it or didn't you like it? Or else, I mean... Everything is just rotten tomatoes. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that that provides any reason for somebody to to tune into the show. So, when, so are you nervous about how this is going to be received, or are you beyond it already because it took so long to do?
1: I'm I'm incredibly nervous. I'm anxious every day. Um, the, you know, the New York Times supposedly is going to review it of some sort, Ooh. which scares me. Yeah, because. You know, yeah, because that, the New York Times is, like, my parents' friends. Like, I'm going to have to see them yeah. in Boca, you know, <laughs> look at me. And I'm going to have to walk the streets, uh, you know, the, oh, that's the sun. <laughs> yeah, the, the Times hates them. You know, like, that's going to be. Yeah. Because there's, like, one review, you know. Like, I got a review the other day in, like, a thing called The Decider that's on the Internet. My parents, they don't care about it. Like, I'm more worried about the people close to me. Like, it gets out there. It's okay. I just like, I'm getting emails from ex-girlfriends. I'm getting already, and it's been out less than, tw- or a little more than 24 hours. Like, that's the thing about, you know, a stand-up special on Netflix. It, you know, it used to be Tuesday night at eight, you know, must-see TV, and then it was one shot, and then it went away. Now it's perpetual. Over two years, it's just there waiting for people. And... Anyone can find that during any point of their day, whether they feel good or bad. And I hope it makes people feel good. And, you know, I just, it is my life's work at a certain point. Like, I i, I care about everything on that special. I told those stories and everything happened, you know, really happened. And then you make it funny. That's
2: see, yeah, this thing is yours. It's a, a film yes. crew didn't follow you around with a different agenda. I don't. I get, this, I get asked to do this all the time. We're doing a documentary on X, and we'd like Tony Kornizer to help us because he was alive during this period of time, like right after the Civil War. He was alive. And, and we think that his perspective would be great. And my answer is always the same, no. I mean, I don't even waste any time. My answer is no. I'm not going to do this for somebody else. I don't see any reason. First of all, I don't know anything about it. Second of all, I'm not going to allow someone else to edit me in a way that, you know, isn't going to reflect what I was really thinking about. And more important is I don't even know what you're talking about, but this is yours, Jared. Like it's all you, like, you should feel great about that. Even if you go down the drain and I don't think you will, but it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's your gamble. It's yours. It's,
1: it's, right? it's, it's so emotional. I mean, you know that with a column, right? Yeah. Is that the same thing. This is my, this is me. So when people don't like it, I hate
2: them. Yeah, yeah, they oh deserve to be hated. You
1: hate me, <laughs> right? You you hate me, literally. And when you like it, I love you. <laughs> you know, like I, I I think you're the smartest person in the world. And it's like I know both things aren't true. I think the person who doesn't like me probably not that bad a person. The person who likes me not that not that great a person, but. It is, I, what you're saying is true. This is, uh, like, blood, sweat, and tears. This is all me. Good. Um, it's very vulnerable, and, and it's emotional. Like, you know, I, I, I go get coffee at the same place every day, and, you know, I talk to those guys, and I'm like, uh, and they're like, when's it coming out? And I just start, you know, tears streaming down my cheek, and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just happy you guys are a part of this. And they're like, what are you talking about? Are you getting my coffee or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, so, you know. Well, we all tend, we all tend to put the camera on ourselves and and think that other people care, you know, and then then we realize they don't care. They don't really care about us in that way, which is good, healthy.
1: I reference you all the time. The key of me. I always bring you up.
2: Life in the key of me. On podcasts
1: that I do. Yeah.
2: Well, Good luck. Um, I won't promise I, I'll watch it because, again, I don't know if we get the channel. I don't know. If, you, if you're not on ESPN, I don't really know. So,
1: Have Michael put it up for you. I think you're going to like it. The ending has my parents being taped without their knowledge in the bedroom. I think you'll like that. Uh, and they're yelling at me and they're talking about, Cats' Deli, whether they have monster cheese or not. And, you know, when I go on the road, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking all about family now. So, like, it's like a fun prelude to what the new material is. And I gotta say, Nigel has been, like, the greatest supporter in the world. Gary Braun, Super G, I love that guy. What a guy. He's just been, he randomly, I gotta say, he called me during the pandemic. He was I had come on your show, and we had a great time, and I, I it was a thrill for me. And he's like, I didn't know your stuff. And then in the middle of the pandemic, I got a call from Gary Braun. He's like, I just want to let you know I appreciate the stuff you put out there. I didn't know you before the show. And he's like, I, I started listening to your podcast, and I think you're great. And I was like, what an amazing yeah. thing to do. I would never do that. That's yeah. lovely. And it's just, you, totally it's lovely. Just a, your universe, I'm so thankful for. You were with me when I was walking to open mics and through the whole thing, and and. You, you know, you don't even know. And I know this because I have podcasts where people say this to me and they go, you don't know how much you've helped me, but you've helped me in ways that are and, and all the littles that are just unbelievable. Nice and to I, know. I feel thankful to be a part of your universe. It really means a lot. Not,
2: thank you, Jared. And good luck with this. And I promise I'll watch at least four minutes before I try to kill myself.
1: <laughs> four, four minutes gets me the click. So
2: thank <laughs> you. Jared Fried, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Cool, isn't it? That's either Tom Muller or Tom Mueller. I think it's Tom Mueller from Boone County High School in Florence, Kentucky. That's the Boone County High School virtual drum line. That's a group that he has taught and written for for over 30 years. Isn't that amazing? That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, Thank really you, Tom. Is. Thank yes. you to all the kids who performed on that. It's really lovely. Wow. Uh, Bethesda Bagel air. Yes, yeah, got the bagel sandwiches today. Good. Very happy about that. Bethesda Bagels. Uh, all you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That does it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say she would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone. While the sun is bright or in the darkest night, no one knows. She comes and goes. It's Ruby Tuesday. I, it has always offended me yes. that there is a series of bars and grills called Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. It's a Mick Jagger song. It's the Rolling Stones. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's always bothered me. Yes. I apologize for it bothering me. <laughs> no, but it, does. it bothers me as well. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lock and Four and Jared Fried. Don't forget to catch Jared's Netflix special 37 and single, which is streaming now. Thanks to our sponsors, MeUndies, Grammarly, Rocket Money, Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's really, Tom Mueller, that was just really good. Yeah, that was lovely. Let's read some things here. From Adam Leahy in Brownsburg, Indiana. I'm not a doctor like Tony, but it sounds like he has Blossom Endrod on his leg. <laughs> oh Maybe goodness. he should consult his local horticulturist. <laughs> well, that's a possibility. From Mark in Castle Rock, Colorado. Please, please, please tell us you're the next Spider-Man. From <laughs> Rafi Zach power. in Hollis, New Hampshire. <coughs> Formerly Only Great Neck, New York. Great Neck, New York, I'm aware of. Hollis, New Hampshire, not so much. I am not a big fan of golf, and the only time I ever hear anything about it is when I listen to your show. I would much rather hear Steve Sands berate you for not asking about how many bathrooms were in his hotel room (laughs) than about when Rory McIlroy is going to win another major. But I will happily endure all of the golf talk if you continue to have long discussions about Lucas Glover's sweaty pants. (laughs) That's gold, Jerry. Gold. A haiku for Lucas Glover from Shad. Rejuvenation. Sweating like Gary Williams. <laughs> it's a Glover sense. <laughs> from John Longstreth, Dear Mr. Tony, can someone please mention the heat at the FedEx at St. Jude's? Is yeah, it, everybody's is, looking it at Lucas yeah. Glover's Yeah, pants. he said that on Sunday and was like, please, will you talk about this? Yeah. You know uh, right, from sure. Ben Heipel in Lexington, Kentucky. It's safe to say Lucas Glover is not a member of MeUndies, correct? <laughs> I think that's accurate, From yes. Maria Schwab in Chicago, my husband and I were stuck behind a Subaru driver the other day at a stoplight. Like Subaru drivers often do, he was slow to get moving, slow to make the turn, and irritated us instantly. <laughs> because of the slot-like maneuvering, I was able to make out the lone bumper sticker on his car that read, Perambulate. Not being a wizard of words myself like you, Mr. Tony, I told my husband I have got to Google that. Sure enough, the following pops up travel through or around a place or area in a leisurely way. So I searched for synonyms, mosey, ramble, roam. I mean, it was just too perfect. I'm taking maternity leave for our second child in a few weeks. I look forward to listening to you and the crew more regularly. From Gary Van Giesen, here's a traffic update from really North Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here in Montague, there are no slowdowns on the one main road because nobody lives here. From Jeff Barger, or Jeff Barger, but I think it's Barger, in Hillsborough, North Carolina. Thank you for the interview with Uncle Big Al. That's better than most of the history classes I've ever attended or skipped. It reminded me that The Miracle on Ice was on tape delay. We had to wait three hours to watch it. The NBA Finals were also on tape delay. I remember staying up beyond midnight to watch my beloved Sonics defeat Le Boulet the year after losing to them. I remember that well. Strange Days indeed is a spectacle young man from Liverpool once sang. From Michael Cream, I noticed the black horse sign um, during a recent PTI episode. It's Black Course. It's, it's Beth Page Black. Right. Um, not horse. Black Course. Have you had the opportunity to play the Bayonet? No. I probably played both a 100 times as I was stationed at the Naval Postgraduate School and subsequently Fort Ord. The Bayonet was a traditional home of the West Coast Q School. I'm not sure if it is currently. I'm currently residing outside of Scranton in the summer and New Smyrna Beach in the winter. We try to spend a couple of months each year on the peninsula. Love the podcast and PTI. By the way, the Scranton Golf Course is a great track. I've been through Scranton 3,000 times in my life. Uh, From Spencer in Southie, but never there. You were talking about how expensive donuts are in some of the places around D.C., and this struck a chord. I moved up to Boston from South Carolina a couple of years ago, and knew things were going to be more expensive. But one thing that really caught me off guard was the donuts. Even beyond that dreadful orange chain that Casey Affleck likes to hang around, and there are donut shops everywhere up here. Many of them are quite good, but there's a problem. They all cost an arm and a leg. My favorite donuts in the city are at Kane's. You can get anything from lemon-filled to maple bacon donuts, as long as you're willing to pay upwards of four ninety-five a donut. Wow. wow that's... Of course, I still buy them, but I feel bad about it afterwards. Anyway, catch you guys on the route to Marblehead. <laughs> it's, it's so great that it's never Marblehead. <laughs> no, it's, it's Marble. Marble. <laughs> Marblehead from This is a long one from Rich Mermelstein in Scarsdale, New York. He's written before. I need to add to your list of broadcasters with an unearthly ability to fill time allotted to them to the nanosecond. Jack Whitaker. Jack Whitaker is great. As a 17-year-old, I got an amazing summer gig. I was a gopher in the CBS truck. My job was to get coffee for the crew and once in a career highlight to bring Phyllis George her coat at multiple CBS (laughs) events, including Pelé's first U.S. game at Randall's Island, the Belmont Stakes, and most pertinent to this email, the 1975 match race between Ruffian and foolish pleasure. As you might recall, Ruffian was injured and ultimately euthanized, and the sporting event became a news event with the ultimate pro Jack Whitaker, at the helm. The scene was obviously chaotic in the truck, with news coming in from around the track on Ruffian's broken leg. Remember this with great sadness. The producer and director and roughly a dozen APs, that's associates, and technicians were fielding calls, interacting with the news departments, and shouting the latest rumors of Ruffian's condition as she lay on the track. People were constantly speaking in Whitaker's earpiece as they switched from one reporter to the next, yet he moderated as calmly as an evening newscaster describing a town hall meeting. But then came the parlor trick that would have knocked you over. As the show wrapped up, the producer Chuck Milton, the famous Chuck Milton, told Whitaker he had 50 seconds to fill. On the monitor in the truck, I heard Whitaker describe the initial excitement of the male versus female match race between Foolish Pleasure, the Kentucky Derby winner, and Ruffian who had never trailed in any race she was in. He recounted the start of the race, the tragic fall, and the uncertainty as to her condition. The unsuccessful surgery took place later that night. And just as he finished what seemed to be a written script, I looked at the clock. 6.30 p.m. on the dot. It was absolutely uncanny. Jack Whitaker, please add him to the list. Jack Whitaker, yes. One of the greats. Oh, my God, yes. I mean, nobody's ever done essays as well as Wood. Forget better. Right. Never done them as well. From Jesse in Frederick, Maryland. Glad to hear you had a nice weekend at Rehoboth Beach. I myself spent the week down there introducing my daughter, a little bit older than Bootsy, to the joys of Thrashers, French fries, and Funland. Mm. I also got to play thirty six holes at the rookery in the par thirty two nine hole golf course in the community where we stayed. I knew that showing a picture of myself with the bald orange man wouldn't get me a tea time at R B C C but I will say The American classic golf course would be perfect for high handicap hitters hitting from the gold tees. You could use an eight iron to the green on at least two of the par threes. Hmm. Uh, Lyle in Nashville. Went to my local bank branch recently in need of a notary. The teller explained there was no notary at the branch, but there was one down the street at the UPS store. I could go there, the teller explained, and they would reimburse me for the UPS charge. I was hoping... At that point, a stripper notary would appear and take care of my request, (laughs) whipping his or her stamp out with a flourish. Alas, no one stepped forward, so I followed the teller's instructions. Returned later for my $15 reimbursement. Two other TK-related items. Cigna has been sued by California plaintiffs accusing the company of using an algorithm to systematically reject claims in a matter of seconds without a human ever seeing the claim. I believe you had that. Yeah, that was from the Pro... uh, Pro ProPublica, right? yeah, Yeah, yeah. And two, Frosted Flakes is now using the Cheers theme. In their TV commercials. Not sure which is the more egregious crime. That's not good. Yeah. Um, Steve Sigourney, Big Sky, Montana. I shaved this weekend at our country club, humble brag. And you're right. The handles are too light. <laughs> yeah. Justin Johnson, Arlington, Virginia. Sometimes I wonder how many people have accidentally eaten the little black wrapper inside the main wrapper on a mini Reese's because they were so anxious just to pop that peanut butter cup goodness into their mouths. And from Gus Karayanis. Kara Yiannis, I hope I get that right, in South Glens Falls, New York, which is where I believe my old roommate in college, Dave Carpenter, lives. Big day Sunday for Dom, the RBI machine, Smith. Comes in and walks in a run, so without an official at bat, he gets an RBI. (laughs) Sign him to an extension. Again, one out last night, second and third. What does he do? He whiffs. Yeah. He whiffs, Mm. because he... (coughs) <coughs> he can't produce runs. He you now has 31 RBI. Yeah. He gets hits. Yeah. His hits—they don't mean ha, anything. Had a hit in the ninth, I believe. They don't the mean the anything. Yeah. Yeah. They don't result in anything. Yeah, he just... just is not <laughs> productive in the in it, Look, the the power positions are pretty obvious. First, third in the outfield. Yeah, you know now you can get away with a weak hitter in the outfield if he's a great defensive player. But first and third, you Victor need Victor Robles, thumpers. Michael K. Taylor. Yes. But first base, yeah, you can't have 31 RBI, two thirds of the way through the season, playing every day. No, you can't. If you're out on your bike time, to everyone is always. Do wear white.
3: I'm obsessed with this fruit, Cantlope. It's so good.
2: Cantlope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ruben.
0: Another perfect harmony
4: Spring, the summer and the rest Wrapped tight in your cage Electric car switching game Your lips pressed hard against my mouth What happened to the universe And it's cold out, snoring. rain From God up above we survived The winter
0: to die in the flood we sat and sang The songs that say it the same
4: Deep and desolate, you hit me there, but you can never forget. And yeah, that's in my little vignette. I ripped it straight from my chest. And well, i may maybe a broken down mess, but of all the words I've written, this may be
0: the best. The to sing the songs that.